0: Welcome to the Generous Business Owner Podcast, where business owners gain inspiration and encouragement to live a legacy, not just leave one. And now your hosts, Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Welcome, everybody, to the Generous Business Owner Podcast. My name's Jeff Thomas, one of the co-hosts of the show, and we have a real treat for you today. We have Chris Dennert with us, who uh, runs a company called... Well, let's see, all kinds of companies, but Dugout Mugs is probably the biggest one you're running. So uh, Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So we always try to start, Chris. I mean, you have such an interesting story, so I kind of want to dive right into it. But before we kind of get into the meat of the business part, why don't you tell us a little about like, where you grew up, how you grew up, that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a Central Florida guy, you know, born in Winter Haven, a little town in the middle of the state, uh, Polk County. And yeah, so when I was growing up, I mean, I it, what's funny now is as as many people probably can relate to is the hindsight's 2020, 20, right? And and when I was growing up, I was just a hustler, whether I was, you know, cutting yards, whether I was stripping, my mom owned and, and still does to this day, I own a ceiling fan and lighting store. So I'd strip old copper out of fan motors and things like that. And I remember buying candy and filling up my book bag with it and going selling it at school pencils when we play that pencil break game. And then I got really creative uh, because now I look back and it's like, it was a really good profit margin. Right. (laughs) Right. I I made my own cinnamon toothpicks with cinnamon extract 2000 at a time and sell them for 10 for a dollar. And it was just, so looking back, like I just had this, this, uh, this grind and, and yeah, it, it obviously it stayed with me for all these years, but we didn't have a lot of money growing up. But we weren't born like doing very well. My mom was, you know, worked two or three jobs you know, at times. Uh, my mom and dad they split, you know, when I was pretty young. But my dad was a, an amazing car salesman, and my mom was a female business entrepreneur before it was cool, you know, solopreneur. Yeah. So I got to learn a couple sides of the hustle from both of my parents. And my stepfather was, you know, the town barber, right? which the, all these things kind of play into who I've become. Mm. And that's what we, we're a product of our surroundings, right? That's so true. And, and we, we keep the good. We, we try to perch the bad, and we yeah. you know, practice that every day of our life. And each of these people, and, and the town barber, by the way, was, was teaching about relationships. Like right. everybody knows everybody Exactly. There, right? So, so some of the things that we had access to, he cut the hair of the guy that owned the major league baseball team. So we got to go to the suite, you know, right. just different stuff came about and it was, it was a, a different kind of currency, right? It was relationship exactly. equity, right? And, and so I learned a lot of these things in a very small way and they resonate with me. So then I've, I've grown them in a big way and that's, you know, much of, you know, my success to this point, I think.
0: Yeah. Cause when I, when I kind of think of your story, one of the things, you know, I do think of that kind of hustle and, you know, not everybody has the same path. You know, kind of born entrepreneur, but I kind of think you had that thing. And Mm -hmm. whenever I hear about you know a little bit of those struggles growing up and thing, the the expression I always use is the gift of the struggle. I mean, part of it is that makes you who you are, right? Like, I think if you don't struggle, I'm not sure you learn as much. So, so you don't learn a lot. Yeah, yeah, you don't learn a lot when you're winning, right?
1: right? Or unfortunately, didn't win. You're born with all, that, all the angles and the 40-yard you know, head start and everything else. Right. You don't learn a lot. You learn a lot when you're losing. You learn a lot in the pain. You learn a lot in, you know, and then now how you respond to that says a lot about your character. So I think as these painful points happen in the struggle and the, the adversity, how you come out of that is, is fully in your control. You know, it's, it's all perspective. In You're exactly
0: right. It's it's not whether we're gonna have challenges; it's how we respond to the challenges. It's Correct. Kind of, so so let's let's go through that. I mean, you've had a series of these things. So 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 take us through. Okay, you, you, you maybe get out of high school. What what happens next or early career? Take us through that.
1: Well, you got. Let's start before that. A yeah. couple of weeks before high school, I ended up having a a, a Xanax in my book bag. You know, as a high school senior and I wasn't supposed to, and I was on school grounds. And long story short, I ended up with a felony two weeks after I turned 18. Wow. Right. And expelled from school. And I've graduated with high honors. I was a high honor student. Right. You know, and that was crazy as it sounds, I was on accident. I really didn't try very hard. Right. But again, so I now starting off with a with a disadvantage you know, you're a technically a convicted felon, right? Which anybody who knew me would thought that was laughable, but it's reality. So I had to say, okay, well, if it will be, it's up to me. I'm not getting gifted anything at this point. It's going to, it's going to be tough. So I had to, I had to grind. I had to prove, I had to, you know, prove myself to a lot of people often because, you know, I had that setback. So that was certainly one, but I think what it did is it, it kind of instilled that, you know, watch me, watch. Yeah, I don't don't trust me. Watch, watch, right. And coming out of high school, one of my first jobs. Well, I got fired. For, to be honest, I got fired from almost every job I had because, which again is not a, it's not an abnormal thing to hear from an entrepreneur, no. right? So,
0: Terrible employees ran, generally.
1: <laughs> oh, I was horrible,
0: right? <laughs> I,
1: doing doing the job and meeting these expectations that are just notoriously low. I was completely bored. I was done well in time, and then I just got into mischief being a dumb kid. but then, but then there was times where I knew, because I understand people really well, I communicate with people really well. And some of the jobs I had, I knew better what they were saying. It's like that just because it you know what got you here won't take you there. And just as because it's done that way doesn't mean it should be done that way. So let me show you a different way. and And oftentimes that was met with confrontation because a, a kid, you know, 21 years old, 22 years old, speaking to a 40 year old manager and like, Hey, that's not the right move. Let me, let me help you walk through that. Yeah. You can understand how that was taken the wrong way. Yeah. But a buddy of mine to this day, his name's Dave, Dave Guernsey. Uh, he used to run Gold's Gyms and that was kind of like my first career. I was the youngest manager, uh, general manager in the state of Florida from, from what I knew. And we were winning. We were winning. Yeah. You know, Awards for best gym in the region, things like that. I was doing record numbers. You know, I was putting up three, four, five hundred memberships on a monthly basis. I and you know, and and it's the first place. He's like, man, I do not understand you and how you do things, but it's undeniable that they're working. So I'm just going to let you do you. And then, bam, man, it blew up, and we blew up, and and you know, Dave. Dave ran a great, great organization. And one of the things that Dave did really well was he allowed me to kind of just go my own way and he trusted me, right? And that's something that we've carried on into some of our companies now, especially dugout mugs. And one one of those things is give direction, not directions. It's something we've adopted. we Ooh, I like that. And it's paint a picture. Be Spend more time on the vision. And then when you show it, To people and you share it with others, can they see that vision clearly? And if they can, you're done. Back up. That's where we're trying to go. That's what we're trying to create. And it takes the micromanagement out of it and it it empowers people to take ownership in what we're building. And I think with dugout in particular, that's one of the things that's happened, is it's self-policing internally. That we've created an insane tribe of people that believe what we believe. And we're very unapologetically authentic about it and i think that's part of our secret sauce
0: you know we have these 12 principles at at, uh, arcos our company and one of them is empower don't control and and the reason is like those of us who started here none of us like to be controlled and told what to do but empowered with a vision we share the same vision and mission if you're not on those you shouldn't work here we're a dugout but if you do hey you own your area right Everybody wants to have that freedom to contribute, you know, using their own gifts. So I love that because I don't like to be controlled. I don't like people telling me what to do, but I know you have to have alignment, like even like in a, on any sports team, you know, Hey, what plays are we going to run? We got to run the same offense, the same defense. We got to, but everybody's got to play their role and you need the freedom to, you know, play your role. So I really like that. You tell them what
1: position they're playing. You tell them how many outs we have. You tell them every it, – exactly. That's a great analogy. You're not going to go tell them how to pick the ball up and throw it to first base. And, hey, if you're, you're not getting the home. job
0: done, we'll go find somebody else. It's okay, and there's a team you should be on. It's all right. Yeah. But give them the freedom, man. We all want that that freedom. So that that's cool. So should we get into uh, the origin of dugout mugs, or do you want to yeah, go back a, a little before that? Uh <laughs>
1: Man, how much time you got? I know, right? <laughs> There's a, uh, so dugouts actually my eighth company. Yeah. I had a handful of them along the way. And if you go all the way back to 2015, I got sick. You know, I ruptured my appendix. It was, it's not uncommon, right? But what's what was uncommon about my situation was the fact that, you know, two weeks earlier I had had double knee surgery. And because I had double knee surgery, I was on my crutches and I was trying to do everything I could to. Stay involved in work and get involved in the deals and handle this and handle that. And I borrowed my buddy's Ferrari so I could use paddle shifters and I didn't have to use my feet so I can drive, you know, an hour away to go to meetings. And then I ruptured my appendix on the way back from one of these meetings. Well, I had the Stanley Cup the next night. So I'm not going to go to the, you know, I'm not going to go to the doctor, you know. So anyway, it's crazy. I was so busy being so busy that it nearly killed me because I didn't go to the doctor for a week and I sat there with a ruptured appendix for a week. And instead of going septic, you know, there's some divine intervention there. And by the time I did finally get into the hospital, they said that there was an abscess the size of a football in my core and they had to do emergency surgery there. And they advised me, they said, if you need, you need to call some people because there's some things that could certainly go wrong with this surgery. And with that much poison in your body, if we nick it or something goes wrong, like it could be extremely fatal. So again, you go from being on top of the world to underneath the bus and, and no time flat. And, and that truly was the transition which led to dugout mugs. And what I learned there is the things you think about when you're laying there, the, the things you worry about when you're laying there, the things that are important when you're laying there. And those are the things that I think I brought with me into my other ventures. And when I look up and I say, okay, I'm listening, you know, what do I need to do? Where do I need to go? Bring somebody into my life that needs me, that needs my talents, that needs my treasures, that needs me, that won't take me away anymore from the things that are most important. And, you know, within a matter of months, uh phone call i i kept cleaning and kept cleaning i kept cleaning my life of all the things that didn't serve me and uh and take me in the direction because you have a lot of reflection time and we'll talk about that if you want to yeah the reflection on on who am i really where am i going really uh what what should i be focusing on really and and once i came to terms with all that you know almost like clockwork the phone rang there's a guy who's like hey man i came up with this idea and you know from what i can tell there were some articles written about me on some different projects i've done and he's like you're local you know this where i'm trying to go and i'd love to have a conversation and i said well dude i'm a, i'm in i'm in uh, saint pete and he's like i'm driving through saint pete let's just meet and i was like okay i was at a mastermind meeting on a break i was at the bar having a beer pops in with a mug and uh the rest is history, you know, we came to terms on it and I said, listen, man, I just came out of some really bad, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't have a lot of money to invest into this, but I got a very particular set of skills that I think I can take this thing to the next level. And if you show me that you're dedicated, like I am, and so you got to quit your job, you got to go all in. And that was, and he agreed, pulled the trigger, pulled the plug. On his job. And then starting January 1st, 2017, we started Dugout Mugs. And what hit, what, you know, up until that point for the life of his company is about 70,000 in sales. And we hit 1.2 million our first year working together. So exponential growth. And then we've doubled or better in growth every year since. And, you know, we've just now cleared 30, $33, 34000000 million in sales with Dugout. And it's been really cool because the more we've grown, we kept in line with who we were and why we did what we did. Like, uh, you know, his first statement to me is like, I want to make my first million in flip-flops. And I said, well, dude, I'm wearing flip-flops in a backwards hat with you. So we're going to just do that anyway. And, you know, we're, we just never stopped being our authentic selves for anybody. Like if I'm speaking on stage, I'm in jeans. You know, right? I don't wear blazers. I just don't. I don't like it. You know, so we just never broke the you know broke character kind of thing. Right. And it's it's served us. It served us really really well. And and Randall's story, in you know, is an amazing one on its own. And and so he was a baseball player since he was a kid. Always wanted to be a pro player and made it pretty high up into the Blue Jays organization and was nearing the big leagues and one day got that call. He's like, Hey man, sorry. Thanks for everything. You're done over You're Yeah, it's over. And at that point, there's a lot of reflection that happens. You know, it's a, that's a trend that circles us a lot is reflection. And there's a lot of reflection that happens when you did your best and you're still not good enough. And you're like, okay, well, what now? And he lived in his sister's garage, backyard garage, the shed thing in her yard. And, you know, he did side hustle jobs like kids parties and just whatever he could do. And uh, he dreamt up this idea of hollowing out a baseball bat barrel, you know, from a idea, he, an idea he had in a dugout at his alma mater when he went back to start coaching. When, like, nothing's working, you just want to get back to the game you love. So he started being a coach again. And there was a coach in there cutting bats in half. And he picked up the barrels and thought, huh, I wonder if I could just drill that out and drink from it. And it turns out you can. It <laughs> turns and, uh, out it worked. Yeah. It turns out it worked. And he had this idea and he just shelved it. And he was looking for the right person, the right place, the right time. And, you know, as God would have it, you know, cross paths and the rest is history, yes. history in the making, I should say.
0: Such a cool story. And that's neat. And you already had some, because you did a lot of this online right now. I know we're on audio, and of course uh, we're recording on Zoom. And I can see the mugs uh, behind you, dugout mugs. We'll put a link to it in the show notes so people can see it and uh, buy one if they want. But, but you already had some digital skills. Where did those come from?
1: So I'm 40 years old. I'll be 41 later this month, and it, it's kind of cool. I was born right like I was born into a family that. Love to talk to people. My mom is won't ever stop, used to embarrass the hell out of me. My stepdad was the town barber. My dad was the car salesman. Right. Right? Like these people are just people who talk to people. And, (laughs) And so I grew up around that. And but I also grew up in the in the front side of the digital age. And I remember back in like oh five, six, something like that, this new website called Facebook came out. And when I was working at the gym, I thought to myself, I was like, huh. So I can basically do this one-to-one conversation communication, but one-to-many. So I was like, okay, that's kind of neat. And then I started, I started doing that. And it's like, well, people don't want to be sold to. They want to be entertained. So the posts I would do were more, uh, if you're familiar with the term gamification. Yep. I used to love gamification ever before it was a cool buzzword for somebody's PowerPoint this was a decade two dec, you know decade and a half ago i'm playing with gamification and it worked amazingly and i was like oh that was pretty cool so it's like well that was selling memberships, so i can just sell anything and a buddy of mine in 2008 decided to uh jump into the real estate space in 08 when things were going going crazy but we were flipping short sales and uh so i was so i mean we flipped one or two houses but with my ability to communicate one to many through these new platforms and with my ability to communicate in general, we launched a nationwide coaching program. And then this led to this and this led to that. And so really, it was, it was all just understanding the intricacies of social media and how to use those to recreate a version of the belly to belly conversation, if that makes sense. Like yeah. That's what I tried to do. And and one thing led to another. And I ended up with massive fan pages for everybody you can imagine, Tim Tebow and Duck Dynasty, and you know, just the list goes on. And and to the point where they got so big, I ended up working with those people because I had such an influence in their audience. And it ended me up, I told you earlier, at inside Robertson's backyard for his wedding vow renewal and it and and down in that's a Me and Tim Tebow over here on this side with the ball signed by Tim, because I helped put butts in seats for his town hall meeting and just a bunch of cool experiences. Right. And I think ever since I got sick, the one thing, one of my number one, you know, uh, deal breaker kind of metrics is can I have fun? Is it experiential? Can I play with my friends? Can I leverage my network? Right, like it's never anymore. How much money will it make me? Right, because that's just not as important anymore. Usually, it's a result of all these other things working in unison. Honestly, but it's never the guiding light. Uh, So, social media and just talking with people and being with people and communicating and uh, that's that's where I learned digital skills. Uh, You know what I mean? It was just yeah. It seems like they're
0: geniuses in you know. I think great marketing. And I've, I think it's very few people and I'm not sure I do a great job, but I always struggle with it. But I, I, I think I've, I think you have this understanding the way the customer thinks, not just yeah. selling like the features and benefits. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Or, you know, like I was I, I posted a video of like Steve Jobs speech, you know, when they did the Think Different campaign all those years ago. And he's like, we could sit there and talk about how our processors are better and all that. I mean, you could talk about how your cups are smoother and uh, how many ounces are in them, what the technology is to carve it out. But instead of that, because, heck, I want to learn from you. And I bet there's a bunch of people walking down the streets thinking, man, I need to be better at digital. Like, can you unpack that a little more? Mm. How do you think, like, the customer?
1: How how I think is, you know, it's cliche, but you're selling the sizzle, not the steak. Right. You know, why? What problem are you solving? Right. What is so our mission for dugout mugs is we celebrate and serve the heroes of the baseball community by creating uniquely fun products that bring people closer to the game they love. Hmm. Right. And we do that by selling cups. If I don't want to have a conversation with somebody and they ask me what I do, I'm like, I sell cups
0: and that is the end of that (laughs) that'll kill the conversation let me tell you about the manufacturing process oh you don't want to hear it okay (laughs) yeah
1: how much do you know about wood
0: (laughs) pound sand right Right. but uh but really i think it's i think people overthink it right marketing
1: and, and digital marketing in general it's just overthought, and they try to be everything to everybody. In, in relationships, too, there's a very, very small segment that will get along with you, that likes you, that even cares what you're doing, right? And that's one of the things that we really dialed in. We know who our Homer Simpson is. We know who our avatar exactly. Is. We know it's the 40-year-old woman is our number one buyer for our product, mm. right? Most people don't take the time to do and look at analytics. And analytics, holistically, are the number one driver of e-commerce and, and digital marketing. You got to know your numbers. I mean, that's yeah. common in business, but it, especially here, cost per acquisition, where you get in the lowest cost per acquisition. And, and this goes online and offline. And I think a biggest part of it is people pull the plug too soon. They don't gather enough information. And with us, we actually found that we have a particular product that's about twenty-five bucks. We found that we make more if we give that away for free than if we were paying people or paying for ads to for people to buy it. Great it's point. Called Tripwire, right? It, it trips them into our ecosystem. They get a cool, unique, fun, you know, branded, licensed product. Pay shipping and handling. Right but the idea there is the follow up, the funnels, the flows, the communication that's automated after the fact just creating an unbelievable customer experience allows them to keep coming back to the well. Many 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 people reorder our products. I think we have like a 20% reorder rate. Wow. So I think digital marketing is more about understanding your metrics and knowing what your LTV, your lifetime value is and your cost per acquisition. and You have to figure out how deep into the red you can go on the front side because usually if you look at it at a one-year, two-year, three-year, five-year, whatever you want to do, lifetime value of a customer, say it's $300 after the first three years, can you spend 50 bucks to get that customer? Probably. But you, if you're looking at it from a transactional standpoint, spending $50 to get a customer, you only make $50 on a sale, it's a wash, we should get rid of that, right? So I think it's a lot of short sightedness happening with e and it prevents people from really
0: unlocking its power. Yeah, I mean, it sounds simple, but I don't think that many people know those numbers, you know? So, I mean, yeah. that's that's good homework for everybody. Well- Know your numbers. Without yeah, and-, and- you know, one thing we talked about uh, before we started recording was, you know, this is the Generous Business Owner podcast. And so we always somehow kind of get around to generosity. And, and you know, one of the fun things about this uh, discussion with everybody is that takes different forms for people. Some people are giving away a bunch of money and that's sort of their gift is making money and they have a committee give it away. Some people want to give it away themselves. Uh, Some people just think of generosity as the way they treat their employees, the way they treat their vendors, the way they treat their customers. Uh, You had an interesting take on generosity when we talked about it. You mind sharing a little bit of that? I would, and and I
1: have some other thoughts as well. If if you want to let me elaborate on those too, so to me, I think generosity is synonymous with respect, Mm. and you know, respect for others' time, uh, for others thoughts, in a, in a world as noisy you know, as it is, I don't think people are acknowledged enough. So just the simplest thing, that something you can do, whoever's listening, the next day you go into work, purposefully take five minutes to walk around and find five people and have a meaningful conversation and speak with the intent to listen. Not just wait your turn to talk or do it because you had to. Uh, one of our guys, Eric, runs our lasers. We just had a big hurricane come through Florida. Yeah. And I went in, I said, dude, how's your house? And he told me about his house, told me about the tree that fell in his parents' house. He's like, hey, man, I ran up here and I grabbed the tarps from the warehouse. I didn't tell anybody because I didn't have time, but I used them on our roof. I'm like, dude, no problem. Make sure you just, just get them back whenever you're done using them, right? Like I, I, he actually had a conversation with me and I remember what he talked about. And he talked about his brother, one of our warehouse managers, he was upset one day. And I said, what's wrong, man? And he told me his his kayak flipped over when he was fishing and he lost all his tackle. And fishermen know that can get expensive. So I bought him a year membership to Mystery Tackle Box. So every month he gets a whole bunch of new stuff. And, you know, that mattered to him. One of my guys is going through chemotherapy. So I make sure I text him periodically to see how it's going. I remember one day, cause I don't go into the office a lot, the warehouse, I work from home. There was a lady who was there and uh older lady, about 45 or 50, you know, not a young buck or anything. And I said, Hey, how you, how you doing? And she didn't know who I was. She just thought I was there taping boxes next to her. And uh, she's like, Oh, I'm new here. And I said, like, how do you like it? She's like, yeah, I like it. And I said, how do you fit your feet feelings? So We've got a concrete floor. It's like, yeah, my feet are kind of hurting and we're standing here, so I gotta sit down. So I just slid off, ran up to Lowe's, I bought some of those super thick mats, and I brought them back, and I threw them under everybody's feet. And then after the fact, she's like, "Who is that guy?" He's like, "Oh, that's one of the owners, right?" And I think, I think when you're that, that's a huge part of generosity, and it's caring about others genuinely, you know. Then, then also we have our our cheers to charity. Initiative with dugout mugs, and that's where every quarter we select an organization that we you know donate a few thousand bucks to, but then we run a mug, a custom mug like we just got done doing Folds of Honor, the military organization, yeah. and we made Folds of Honor mugs, and we had veterans that hand painted mugs, you know, one of a kind that they're auctioning off, and. They're putting us at the galas, and the, you know this quarter we're working with Kyle Tucker from the Houston Astros. He has a charity for hospice care, and uh, the Negro Leagues we did in Q1, and Pete Alonzo. We just got done doing Pete Alonzo in Q2 from the New York Mets. So we work with Pete a lot, but Mariana Rivera and and Pudge Rodriguez. I mean, just some iconic names. And Justin Turner from the Dodgers. They all have organizations, so we just collab, right? We leverage our product, and we we leverage our our network to drive time and energy or, or or money and awareness by spending time and energy and and it works great, everybody loves it and a, a colleague of mine mike clark uh he owns a, an organization called Advocates of love it's a Dominican-based orphanage, where Mike went down there, he was called by God to go to the Dominican and start an orphanage, which was wild because he had a you know $40 million company that he was a you know the founder of and everything that he did. Two years before he sold his company, he went down there. He started this and since it saved dozens of children from quite literally chained to trees and left for dead kind of thing. And one of the things Mike always told me is he said, we need time treasures and talents he's like sometimes the best somebody can do is just give me money that's the best they can do but he's like time and treasure and talents he's like chris your your talents are your network what can you do so i had dominican players that i worked with autograph photos for all the kids now that's what's up in their rooms i have little leagues that i work with and they donated buckets of balls and Bats and cleats and jerseys. And we send down a bunch of mugs because down there it's pretty chaotic. So you want mugs that aren't going to break like made out of glass. So now down here with these kids, these orphans are playing with better baseball equipment than the schools. Rawlings donated 36 gloves, brand new gloves for kids. So we send all this stuff down. Right. And I think that's generosity. It's, it's talking to people and it's understanding where they are and what they actually need. Because oftentimes it's not just money. It's the time and treasures and talent.
0: You know, I'm sitting here thinking about this story. There's a lot of stories like this in the Bible, but one of them is, you know, Moses is on the hill and he's like feeling out of resources. And he's like, God, what am I supposed to do? I don't have anything. And God's like, what's in your hand? He goes, what, this old rod? You know, and he turns it into all, God turns it into all kinds of cool stuff that he uses. And it's like, I, I like that expression, like what's in your hand? Like this story for me is, it's just, it all fits so logically together. And I think, I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of business owners and stuff, you know, they get so absorbed, you know, like you were talking about. I've been in that place and I'm constantly fighting that urge to, you know, get my hands in everything. And you have to have margin to do the things you're talking about. Like you have to have margin to have five conversations in the office. If you got like meeting back to back to back and you have no margin, you know, because you're trying to control everything, you know, I'm taking that to heart. I need to do that better in the office to create that margin. And then often we'll also get questions about, you know, well, how do I be generous? You know, I've got a, a pipe business or whatever it is. I think just having people around you that kind of see from the outside, maybe how can you practically use the gifts, you know, the time, talent, treasure you have Yours is like so logical. Like you already have the cups, you have the relationships with these sort of famous people. You have this communication skill thing. And it's just beautiful, that tapestry that that you're using to build the business, but then also to kind of give back. And uh, man, I just so, I love it.
1: You said it, what's in your hand? So some practical things, what can you do tomorrow? Pay for the guy or the girl behind you, their coffee and, and just say, hey, have an awesome day, pay it forward. Because these little ripples, Right. They're just little ripples everywhere. Just kindness in general. We live in a chaotic world that's incentivized to be more chaotic because it supports division. And in my mind, I think the best way to combat that is to be, you know, be microgenerous. Right. Because a lot of people are so focused on I'm I'll do this when that, or I'll do this when I get to that point. And it's like, what if that point never comes, right? I was at a funeral yesterday, a buddy of mine had a lot of goals that were still 15, 10, 15, 20 years further down the road. And, you know, that that's the scenario. I mean, I could have checked out seven years ago. That's the scenario. That could have been my my the end of my journey. And if all I did is wait until X to do something good, you missed it. You know, you missed that opportunity. And, and so I, I had a talk one time a buddy of mine, Raj, has a big podcast and I got a call on, it hit me on, Insta, on LinkedIn two weeks later, a guy said, Hey man, I listened to that podcast the other day and it saved my life yesterday. So I wanted to say thanks for that. And I said, like, well, damn, dude, you got to fill me in on this. Right. And uh, he did. And so what I did is I shared, I shared what was in my hand and that was an experience and it ended up saving his life and he had kids and wife and everything else. So like, you know, awesome. There's a guy, an entrepreneur called me the other day because you know, I do consulting. I still own a consulting company. And, I, you know, if it's a cool, fun company, I'll, I'll play ball with it. But a guy, you know, typically I charge for my time and this guy reached out. He just needed help. And I gave him a half hour of my time. I said, listen, dude, you got a half hour, whatever you want to do, you got it. So we just wrapped about apparel because we did like $20 million in sales of apparel at one point in my life, one of my million careers, it feels like. And, and I gave him some advice and I told him some things and he came back and he's like, dude, I implemented those things we talked about. Let me send you and your daughter and your wife some stuff on me. Tell me what you like, what your size is. So now that's on the way. So like, it's, kind of, uh, it's kind of like this reciprocal generosity and it's, and it's rarely financial. Because money is the most common thing there is in my mind. It comes, it goes, it never even really belongs to you. You just borrow it. You borrow it, you leverage it, you win it, you lose it, you spend it, you make it. It's, it's,
0: it's. Uh, we talk about steward, not owner, right? It's like yeah. you're not going to take it with you. So whatever God allows you to steward with that time, treasure, and and talent. Yeah, sometimes
1: the most valuable thing you have is wisdom. The most valuable thing you have is experience. The most valuable thing you have is storytelling.
0: Exactly. Um,
1: Helping somebody get one notch closer on their journey is, that is generous, right? Totally time, time's the only non-renewable resource, man. So, right. you, so spending your time with people, that, that is the ultimate generosity, I think. And, and in order to do that, like it kind of reverse a little bit. So when you were saying um, you got to have margin. So the way, the way I always kind of explained it is like in a car, you're redlining. If you're always driving on red line, you always have the RPM six or 7,000, you can't go faster. What you can do is completely burn out. So when it comes to bandwidth, I always encourage my team and my partner and everybody else. I'm like, man, let's run at like 3,000 RPMs. Sure, we can go at five all day, but let's just hum around three or four because then guess what? We can always punch it, All right. But then it comes back to here. That's where people are happy. That's where people will stop and they'll have a conversation. They'll laugh. They'll, you know, do things together and create a camaraderie. And uh, and we've created a dugout. You know, it's it's team, it's camaraderie, it's uh, competition, it's it's fun, it's edgy. You know, it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool.
0: Well, man, you've you've dropped a a lot of uh, wisdom nuggets on us. Uh, and uh, you know, we usually do try to wrap up with some practical tips, but you've been giving us a lot of them. You know, just start small time, treasure, and talent, just creating conversations when you walk in the office. So if you wanted to just kind of summarize all that, if or pick one, what what would that just sort of one message be uh, to Uh, somebody walking down the street? Well,
1: the one thing that I always come back to, and I don't even think we've talked about it yet, to be honest, Uh, the one thing I always come back to is reflection. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I've done, you've done, some of us, most of us don't do it enough, but it's, it's as important to know who you aren't as it is to know who you are, what you stand for and what you won't stand for, what you're, what you're good at and what you're absolutely not good at, right? I think the more time somebody spends understanding themselves, the more time in a given day they can spend only doing the things that they excel at. I'm 300 pounds. I'm a big, strong dude. There, I, Why do you not see me out there jumping hurdles? Because I'm probably gonna run through them, right? And And it's like, do what you do best, outsource the rest. I've said that, no kidding, for a decade. And that is how I've managed to do some of the things I've done, is I do not do the things. I don't go into the warehouse because I'm horrible at operations. If you need me to inspire, if you need me to paint the picture on the wall for us all to follow, if you need me to walk into a room and sit down with, with a governor, a president, a shark from Shark Tank, the brass, call me. I got that, right? Um, you want me to have a conversation with a VC firm about some, a big acquisition? I can do that. Don't call me about customer service, right? And I know that about myself, right? But the problem is we try to wear so many hats and we don't ever have a definitive plan to not to, or to stop doing that. So, we just keep doing it. And what happens is we spend so much of our time, our precious, precious time, doing the things that we're not efficient at doing. And that is costing you more money than you probably know. So, I always encourage people to, to stop, to slow down, and, and just reflect because my journey is different than your journey, and it's different than, than yours, and different than my best friend. And, We, you know, and until you understand what that journey looks like, do you even know if you're going in the right direction, right? And I think that's a huge misconception. Everybody's measuring their success with another person's ruler, right? Like, oh, success means ten million in the bank. Well, does it? I don't know. Does it mean you get to spend every minute of every day with your family if that's your choice? Do you get to golf every other day? Is what? What is important to you? And then you build the lifestyle by design around that. I think I wish somebody would have told me that a long time ago versus me having to, you know, lay in a hospital for days on end, figuring it out the hard
0: way. And I love that, you know, as as you were saying that I was kind of scribbling down, you know, what do I, how would I reframe that? And I, I just, I wrote down like success and margin are only available if you know what to say no to. And if oh if, no is sexy. That is the right? best
1: thing you could learn to say.
0: There's no way, so you can have margin and just do less of the wrong things. But if yeah. you want sort of success by your own definition, by race God gives you to run, so only run your own race. Success means running your own race the best you can, regardless. I love what you said. You know, we talk about compare a sin, like SIN, right? Like, don't get into the compare sin game. And, 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 but success and margin together, which is really what everybody wants, but however they define success for themselves, it's only available if you know what those strengths are. And then you spend as much time as humanly possible in those strengths. And like you said, now you got margin to be generous to other people, allow them to be empowered, listen yeah. to them. I just, well, what's
1: important. I don't think people know what's important to them. Yeah. They get, they, they see other people, they watch the Gary Vaynerchucks of the world. Yeah. You know, I love Gary. I you know, I've been blessed to meet him a handful of times. He even has one of my mugs on his back shelf. Oh, sure he um, does. You know, and but like the, the 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 Gary of now, the the statesman that he's transitioned to versus the warrior he was before, I think it's a cool transition to watch, but but like the Grant Cardone's, you know, and no beef on Grant. You know, we shared a stage a million years ago, but like it's not what I wanted. I don't want to hustle, 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 grind, 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 billion dollar thing, private jets here and there, you know, I'm good flying first class and hanging out in the Amex lounge, you know, like it doesn't bother me one bit. And to me, it's, I want to have the flexibility. So, you know, that day I ran into you in Houston, it was, I, I had a guy say, Hey man, can you make it to the Astros event in a couple of days? I'm like, yeah, I can, I'll be right there. But I had so much margin, so much time and availability. I can do the things I wanna do when I wanna do them. I've, I've ended up some of the most amazing places. A friend called us the other day and said, hey, you and your wife and your daughter wanna come down to Mexico for six days. We're like, yeah, it'd be cool. So we went to Mexico for six days and just swam around with dolphins. You know, traveling and experiencing things to me is one of my key metrics. Yeah. And in order for me to do that, it's not expensive to travel. It really isn't. It's time consuming. And that's usually the biggest constraint. So for me, time, um, I, have, I own a golf company, Big Golf, right? And when the golf company came my way, I looked at it, you know, through my lenses that I've built and it's, can I have fun with my friends? Absolutely. Is it experiential? Without a doubt. Is it fun? Does it take, and then the, one of the big ones is, does it take away any time from my friends and family? And In this case, No. I already had the network, plug this, touch that, boom, boom, boom. You three are going to run the show on the day to day, rock and roll. I'll be here when you need me. And that's exactly what I, what I do. I pop it. I, I, a buddy of mine, I, I'll tell you a fun story and we can wrap it up, but a buddy of mine's big into horses and we're, we're talking about horses. He's a big uh, CEO of some massive, like crazy company. I'd never heard of, but he's an amazing guy. So I learned a lot about it. And, uh, we talked one day for two and a half hours. Like you don't ever get two and a half hour meetings, right? right. We just talked about everything you can imagine. And, and he was talking about horses. And I said, dude, I have a story I want to share with you about these horses. So I went horseback riding in North Carolina and I showed up and I'm big, I'm a big dude. I mean, you met me. I'm like a big guy. And, uh, and this guy looks at this, I mean, he looks at his horse. He's like, dude, how much do you weigh? I don't, cause we're sending you up a mountain on this horse. And like, and, uh, I was like, I'm about 285 pounds. And he's like, yeah, man, I don't think you can get on that horse. He said, hold on, we got a horse in the back. So they go back and get this like hybrid mule horse Clydesdale tank thing that comes around the corner. And uh, no problem. This guy has no problem. I just hop right up there. He takes me up the mountain and back down. And when I got back down to the bottom, I thought to myself, I swear to God, I thought this. I was like, damn, I'm this horse. So, like, I just lay in the back of the pasture, just hanging out, you know, getting brushed, whatever the case may be, spending my time. But when it comes time to take the big guy up the mountain, they'll come get me, right? And the rest of the time, these other guys are doing two and three tours a day up that mountain. And I'm perfectly okay being the big horse in the back,
0: you know? So, so I love that. Let's end on that the word is figure out what kind of horse you are. Don't, what don't horse worry do about you be? what kind of <laughs> horse do you want to be? Oh man. I'm making a fewer and fewer trips up that hill myself. So yeah. Hey man, Chris, thanks for doing this. Uh, this has been a lot of fun and uh, you've just got a great story. We're going to look forward to staying in touch and seeing how the story develops, but thank yeah, you uh, for being with us. And, you uh, to find me. All right. And we'll, we'll put links to all your stuff so they can follow you and, yeah, and, right. uh, Once again, thanks a lot. And thanks, everybody, for joining us on uh, this week's Generous Business Owner Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Generous Business Owner Podcast with Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Make sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. You can find the guest contact information in the show notes. Stay tuned for the next episode.